Let me begin with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, you are holy and righteous. You are good. You're a God who cares. And we thank you that you are a God who also speaks. And so we pray that as we come to a time together here in your word, that you would speak to us, that you would open our ears to hear, give us minds to understand, give us hearts that are humble to receive, so that we might um, be uh, different as a result of coming into your word today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, there is this odd phenomenon that a brownie can be called a comfort food. Brownie or ice cream or whatever kind of cake you'll have it. Interesting that that thing can be called a comfort food. There's many things in that category. Um, and, and it's not just food. There are many things and many ways that people try to seek comfort in stuff like that. Consumables. Things that are here for a moment, gone in the next. That that is where people are trying to find comfort. All that it is, when, when you realize it and you take time to just think about it for just a second, is it's just a cover-up. It's just something to, to, to just mask the pain for a moment. It just eliminates, you know, the, the ache for even just a minute to have that wonderful sensation uh, that whatever it may be where people are seeking comfort. It's just an escape mechanism. People are trying to find a way to feel like they have escaped the pain, escaped the trouble, escaped the trial, just for a moment. Reality is trials come for every single person in this life. There is no person exempt from trials or tribulations or, tr or, or difficulties uh, from the richest to the poorest, from the most intellectual to the most simple, to the youngest and the oldest. Trials come. And the, the question is, what do you do with the trial? Are we always so busy trying to escape it or even trying to escape the pain of it? None of us wants to be uncomfortable. But what is it that we do to try to get out of that? Do we just try to find an escape hatch? And maybe we do. And maybe it is something as ridiculous as a piece of food. Maybe it's something severe that is addictive. What is it that we try to do to escape that which is guaranteed for every person? Trouble, trial, pain. I want us to read a passage here in Psalm 119 today that shows us that there is a comfort that is not temporary. There is a comfort that is not just a cover-up. It's not just a band-aid. It's not just a moment that is based on this thing or that. The sad thing about comfort foods is there can be a plate of brownies, but you might not get one. And so what happens if you're relying on those things to bring you comfort and it might belong to someone else? Is the comfort always for someone else? And maybe you felt that. Maybe you faced that in your life when you feel tribulation. You feel trial. You feel anguish. And you think the comfort is for everybody else. All that I've tried it doesn't seem to work. Well, the truth is nothing in this world ever does uh, satisfy us. And it never does um, 
comfort us in the way in which we actually need. We don't just need a cover-up of the pain. We need to address it head on. Here in Psalm 119, I want to read for you verses 49 uh, in this section through uh, 56. Uh, Let's read God's word together. Here's what it says. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me, and I have kept your precepts. Amazing thing here is the idea of comfort that is wrapped up here in his word. But it begins by David pleading for God. In verse 49, he says, Remember your word to your servant. Another way he could have said it is, God, keep your promise to me. Keep your promises. Not not necessarily a specific promise for David about a specific thing in his life. But instead, the general concept of all that is wrapped up in who God is and and what he promises for his people, that he would be with them, be near to them, be a God to them. David says, keep your word to me. Keep your word to me, your promise to me. It's in this that you've made me hope. I hope in that and that alone that you are a God who who has a word and your word is sure and your word is um, not leaving me. Keep it. And I I trust in that too, that you're a God who is a a keeper of his word. You do not lie. You you never make mistakes. And so God, I'm I'm calling on you in this moment to keep your words because it's in there that I, I find my hope. Verse 50, key verse we're going to look at today, says, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. This is my comfort. Now I wonder for you, what you would classify as your comfort. What is this? This is my comfort. What is this for you? Is this food? Is this an addiction? Is this, what sort of escape is this? This is my comfort. You need to ask yourself, and I need to ask myself, what is it that I go to? What is it that I, that I naturally, yes, maybe mostly wrongly, but still admittedly, honestly, what is this to me? What is my comfort Where is my escape mechanism? What do I turn to when I'm overwhelmed? When I'm stressed? Where do I go? Do I turn to laziness? Do I flick on the TV? Is this my comfort that I can just zone out? What is my comfort? This is my comfort that I can just get uh, adrenaline pumping so I, I work out. That's my comfort. What's your comfort? This, this food that just makes me feel good, just being satisfied, and this, this alcohol, this, this person, this, what is it that you naturally go towards? You must be aware of this. You must think, when stress is heavy, 
when the day is not going well, when I want to just relax and get away for a second, if I could just escape, what is my comfort in my affliction? We must be aware of this in our own lives. Are you aware of what your natural desire is? What does your, 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 your flesh want to do in order to endure or rather escape the, the tribulation or this trial or this affliction? What is this? And here's the thing. For those who are unbelievers, those who do not believe the gospel, those who have not uh, given themselves to Christ, those who um, are not living for God, they may believe in God, but, you know, this, this will be very, very different than a person who is uh, belonging to God, who, who does trust in Christ. There's, there's a dramatic difference. If you realize that your this, that your comfort every time, has never been a relationship with God, has never been um, just to be in His Word or to be in prayer, if you realize that the, the comfort that you seek, if it's not been found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are vainly chasing comfort day in and day out. We go to everything we can find with our hands, with our eyes, with our taste, with our bodies. What can we latch on to that helps me to escape? But when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we admit that we cannot carry our sin any longer, we can't carry the guilt any longer, that, that if we're to ever get into a proper relationship with God, that we have nothing to bring, that, that we come and we just humbly confess ourselves to Christ and say, I, I need you. And, and Christ welcomes us in. He, he accepts us. He forgives us by dying on our behalf and taking our sin upon himself so that we can have a, a clean slate day in, day out. His mercies are new every morning. That it is a once for all. He's died for your sin. When you come to that relationship in Jesus, he makes you new on the other side. And he, he gives you a hope. He gives you a peace. He gives you a relationship with God. And he gives you promise. Like David said, keep your word to your servant in which you've made me hope. Like if you're a Christian, you have a hope that is in the word of God. You have the, the word that you believe. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, First John. Right? You, you know some of the things you ought to latch on to as a Christian. And so are those things where you to go to comfort? Obviously, because we are still in a natural body, we are not yet perfect, we are still prone to sin and temptation, we will go to all the other things that maybe the former man would or a person who does not yet believe in Jesus. But our, our go-to should not be those things first and foremost. Here, David says, verse 50, This is my comfort. What is this? It's God. God discovered in God's word. This is my comfort. That I know God's very character. I know God's very promises. This is my comfort. Who God is. What he is like. Who is he to me? How he's changing me. How he's teaching me. This is my comfort. This, this word. This book. If someone says, what is your comfort? 
Naturally, you might want to say, well, brownies or ice cream. But when we are to be uh, living in a life of godliness, our answer should be this. This is my comfort in my affliction. When I am afflicted, when I am stressed to the max, when I just want to escape, our, our God-given inclination should be this. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. This is where we find comfort. Comfort in our affliction. You'll see that in a believer who is in affliction. Maybe they are sick. Maybe there is some sort of physical suffering in them. And you see a patience. Patience and long-suffering. You think, where do they get that? It's from this. It is knowing God. And it's having God transformed you in patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But it comes through the Word that is transforming you. This is my comfort in my affliction. Maybe somebody you've seen being taken advantage of. And you see them faithfully endure and continue serving. What is it? This is their comfort. Is that they know God does the very same for us. As I'm reading through the book of Hosea right now, I'm just struck, you know, um, by God's pursuit of his people, by his love of his people, by his pursuit and his love of you and me, even when we sin against him. His love is so profound towards his bride. It's beautiful that that even in the midst of our screwing up, if we're his child, we're his son or his daughter by faith in Jesus Christ, he's pursuing us. And he is loving us and he's calling us back and he's bringing us back again and he's forgiving us one more time. And he's providing for us and he's being gracious to us again and again and again. This is what we learn about who God is and what he's like and and, and that begins to transform the way we take comfort. That begins to um, transform the way we experience different trials and tribulations in our own lives. When we think about how God interacts with us, what we're to be like with others. This is my comfort. And so the Christian should be able to give the answer, what is it about you that's so different? Why are you dealing with this circumstance or that situation differently than me if I don't believe? What is it? When Peter tells us, we should always be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in us. This is the thing. So what is your hope? What is your comfort? You say, this. This is God's promises, God's word, God's character, God shaping me, forming me, correcting me, training me in righteousness through his word. This is my comfort in my affliction. What's beautiful about the word this as well is is that it's not just a a one-time thing or a one-size. It is not just something historical. Like that was my comfort in my affliction And now I'm just getting by. Or now I'm finding something else. Or now I'm pulling at straws. No, this presently is my comfort in my affliction. It's not something of days gone by. It is something present. It is something powerful. It's something purposeful. Something of promise. So when David calls out on God in, in verse 49, to remember your word, to keep your word, He's thankful that God does remember is keep his word. That's the word that he can place his hope in. And he says, this, this thing, I I know that God is faithful. I've seen his faithfulness. I've seen that he is a God who keeps his word. 
This is my comfort. The God who keeps his word. This is my comfort in my affliction. That your promise, your promise, the word you keep, the person you are, your promise gives me life. It gives me life and liveliness. What's amazing is, listen to these words carefully. We have life, it says, according to the end of verse 50, your promise gives me life. And this is my comfort. Out out of my affliction? Or once I'm delivered from my affliction? No. In my affliction. Just like comfort food tries to uh, help us to escape, and it tries to cover up, and pretend like the affliction's not there, or the, the difficulty's not there, or the stress is just ignored for a moment. That's not what we have to do as people who believe in the promises of God. No, no, no. This is my comfort in my affliction. In the middle of it, not forgetting it, not ignoring it, not having some escape from it, or even relief of it. This is my comfort in the middle of my affliction, that his promise gives me life, life and vitality in the affliction. God does not promise that you will be delivered from affliction ever. Jesus himself says, in this world you will have tribulation. He says, take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. This this world that is full of tribulation and trials and afflictions and pains and sufferings, I've overcome that. And so be found in me to realize that this is not all there is. That this this is, according to um, Romans, that this is a light momentary affliction. That is not even worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed one day. It's all about perspective This is what gives us life, is the promises of God. When Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. Like, this is not the end. This is not all there is. This thing that you are in the middle of is not your life. Christ should be your life. He should be your life. And so we can say, this is my comfort in my affliction Is that true of you? Is it true of me? That, and I know it's not all of me anyways, when I'm feeling the stress, when I'm just wanting to just zone out, um, which is such a, a, a fleshly thing. I just want to not say that this is my comfort. I want to just be lazy. I just want to not have to pursue something, but yet it's amazing because it's, it's not me trying to escape. But as we take comfort in the word, it's, it's saying, I'm in the middle of this thing. I'm admitting that. And I, I'm enduring it with this as my comfort. It's amazing. So we carry on in this psalm where it says in verse 51, the insolent utterly deride me. So this is one of David's sufferings that people were, were slandering him, uh, just attacking him from every way. But here's the amazing thing. He says, but I don't turn away from your law. He, he's like a soldier in battle. He has a mission in mind and all the enemies are against him and he, he's going. He is unflinching in his task. And so he says, 
I don't turn away from your law. Like, I have this in my mind because it's your law, your word that is my promise. That's my comfort. And so I'm not going to be distracted. I don't want to be uh, drawn aside and, and, and taken down by uh, the things that are going to come up and the people that are naysayers and say, Lol, look, you're suffering or, or remind us of the pains or even the physical issues in your own life that are reminding you of the affliction. Yes, they may be there and yes, they may be loud and they may be very present and very painful. But will we be as David, one who is not turning away from his law, his promise, his comfort? Here, it, it, uh, a commentator said, it does not hurt the Christian pilgrim to have the dogs bark at him. Like, we're on the track, and dogs may bark, people may say stuff, things may come up, but it doesn't hurt us to have dogs bark at us. We, we press on. We, we, we have a, a pinpoint focus on the, on the Word of God, the law of God, because in it, we have life, and in it, we take comfort. Verse 52 says, When I think, or when I remember... Of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. He personalizes it by, by referring again to God. O Lord, O Lord, in, in your rules, in your book, in your word, in what you have said to me. There, when I remember them, when I'm not distracted, when I remember them, when I think upon them, when I meditate upon them, there I take comfort. Comfort. I take comfort. It's not when I'm trying to escape. It's not when I've found something else. It is when I think and remember the word of God. And he says in verse 53 that hot indignation seizes him because of the wicked, for they forsake his law. It makes him angry when he sees other people forsaking the word of God neglecting the word of God. And especially, imagine this. If you know the word of God is a place of comfort, it is a refuge that God himself speaks to us through his word, and that is the place of comfort. And you see people doing every other thing out there. Man, that ought to make you so upset that they're thinking, well, God never comforts me. You know, the ice cream ran out. The booze ran out. That person left me. All the things that brought me comfort are gone. You think, yeah, don't be so foolish when you know the truth that, that the word of God is unshaking. The word of God is not changing. The word of God is where we take our comfort. So those people who forsake his law, who forget his law, who walk away from his law and try to do everything in their fleshly ability to find comfort, to cover it up. This is, ah, oh, that, that, that upsets David. And here's the reality is, it's not just going to be finger-pointing, looking at everybody else, right? If you realize that this is true of you too, you and I forsake the law. We forsake the book. We don't remember it all the time. We don't take our comfort in it. And so we should ask God to, hey, stir up anger. Stir up just indignation that we that we'd hate the fact that we naturally want to go somewhere else and not your word. May God stir up an anger in us when, we, when we're prone to that. Realizing that, you know, we buy the lie. May we be also angry when we forsake the law. Look at verse 54. He says, your statutes, your, your book, your law have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. 
Here's what's amazing. You know, when I first read that, I think of songs as something of a joyous um, celebration, a way of praise and adoration. It is like a rejoicing that overflows into singing, which is true. It is true. In his house of his sojourning, saying like, I am a foreigner here. I'm in a, in a desert place. I'm in a wilderness. I am, I am far off from the beaten path, and I feel like I'm lost. Maybe a place of darkness. Maybe a place of pain. In, in my sojourning, like, I'm not, I'm not at home here. I'm not comfortable here, right? That's what sojourning is all about. It, and he says, your statutes, your word, have been my song. They have been the fuel of, yes, those joyous overflowing into, into music, into singing. Singing, great is his faithfulness. Singing, it is well with my soul. Singing of the amazing grace of a, for a wretch like me. His word bubbles up so that those sorts of songs flow out of us, full of hope and joy and comfort. It is there that uh, the Word of God encourages and equips and, and gives us words and gives us truth to stand upon. Not just some fake comfort that's here for a moment and gone. No, it's beyond that. It is true. So your statutes have been my songs. But here's the thing. Songs, and we learn from David, songs are not always happy. They're not happy, clappy all the time. And so we sometimes buy into the lie that, hey, if you're a Christian... You have to be happy, or you have to be, uh, have a smile on your face, or, or you know, things must appear to be going well for you, or else whether you're not trusting in God, or your God's clearly not good enough, or something. Right? We have this false notion that as Christians, we must always be positive thinking, or have a you know, light and, and smile, and, and, and yeah, that we're always just seem to be uh, well in our souls, um, or even with our disposition, that we must be this happy person. But here's the thing. We learn from David himself that there is a place for sorrow in the Christian life. There is a voice for sadness and for uh, lament. We learn that from David himself, and that has become his song as well. What songs are are supposed to be honest reflections of our heart. And then... A lot of songs, and most songs are, are, are poetic, they're well thought of. Not songs that are written today, they're garbage. But songs that are, are, are scripture. So the Psalms, for example, David's poems, his poetry, um, are um, the outflowings of his heart, pouring out to God. What's in his heart? He says, your statutes have been my songs. What I know to be true about you have been my songs. But here's the thing. Some of David's songs have a very... Um, low tone. They're very uh, sad and dark almost. Like Psalm 88. Here's David. Um, or, or sorry, this is the, the sons of Korah singing. Here it says, um, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to hear my cry for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Like one who is let loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You've put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions uh, dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy on me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Like, it's just dark. It is sad. But here's what it is. It is honest. 
And so here when it says in verse 54 for us in Psalm 119, it says, Your statutes have been my songs. They've just been my honest reflections of of who God is and, and who I am. Honesty is what flows out of being a person of the Word of God. We don't have to be a person who is happy, clappy, fake all the time. So we don't need band-aids. We don't need a cover-up. If you're in pain, it's okay to be in pain. It's okay to admit the pain is there, that the pain is real, and, and even to admit that you want deliverance from the pain. We're in, we're in the house of sojourning. We're in the house of pain or wilderness or, or whatever have you. And we can have honest songs, songs of joy, songs of deliverance, songs of celebration, but also at the same time, songs of sadness and and lament, songs where we sing, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Like, I feel like I'm far off. But of course, as we remember the word of God and those songs, that honesty produces in us just great hope and a great comfort that God hears us, that God cares for us. And so then in verse 55, he says, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. I remember, again, this concept of remembering. First off, at the very beginning, in verse 49, he calls God to remember to keep his promises. But then he himself says, when I I think of your rules in verse 52, that, that is, I remember your rules. And then here again in verse 55, I remember your name. The word of God and, and the comfort found in there is no use to us if we don't remember it, if we don't consider it, if it's not something that we want to recall to mind. It is not going to be this in a present way, that this is where we find our comfort. If it's something of old that we leave in the archives, it is something that we are to remember your name in the night. Remember your name, the, the, the idea of the name of God being all that he is in his nature and his attributes. All that he is in his character and his works. We remember all that God is, all that he has done. We remember him. And here, David says, in the night. So that's in a, in a place of darkness. Um, but it's also just a, a representation of like, at all times. There's not a moment that is only fitting to, to remember God or to think about God. It's not just a Sunday morning sitting in a building with other people. No, we remember God. We can consider God day or night. Good times, bad times. We remember the name of God. We remember all that God is to us, for us, and all that he's able to do through us. We remember. How many of us have needed, though, sometimes to be brought to a place of night, to a place of darkness, to a place of loneliness, of devastation? How many of us have needed that in order to look for the light? How many of us have needed that darkness to to remember? Where's God? So perhaps you in this season of your life are facing that darkness, whatever it may be. And the the answer is not, let me try to find something that's going to maybe pull me out of this or or try to help me to feel better or to escape the, the, the pain I am in. But instead, how can I remember who God is in the midst of this thing? So rather than fleeing from trouble, let us take from this psalm that, that this may be our comfort in our affliction. Rather than fleeing from your trouble to take comfort in the nearest convenience that will only last a moment. So rather than fleeing from our trouble, let us take hold of him. Let us remember him in our trouble. In your trouble, remember him. 
that this may be your comfort, that God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you through the fire. I will be with you through the valley. That God is there in the trouble, not just when you escape the trouble, not just when you feel happy, clappy, not just those times. But God is with you in the midst of and through the trial. He may never deliver you from the trial. You may never escape the pain. But what you do have is the promise of God that he is with you and that he is the God who is near to you, who understands you, who can be to you a God that you can rely on, that you can cry to, that you can uh, lament to, a God that is uh, able to take all of your honesty Positive and negative. This is the God that you take comfort in. This is my comfort in my affliction. That your promise, that your presence, that your person gives me life. There, in the midst of your trouble, when you remember God, you will find true and lasting comfort. Not a comfort that is here for a moment and gone. Not a comfort that you need more and more and more of. Not a comfort that it is sometimes unreachable. But a comfort that is true. And a comfort that is not just escapism. A comfort that is lasting. Knowing that God understands. That the God who made the universe, who is able to deliver me from this trial in a moment's time. That he could heal my body. That he could take away this suffering. That he could take away this affliction. Whatever it is. He could do it, but he knows in his perfect wisdom and he's allowing in his uh, perfect love for me to endure this, but not on my own. That he is here with me. That through this time, I am leaning upon him more than I ever have in my entire life. What is greater than that? Than to press into God, to remember his covenant of old, to remember his person, to remember his promises there. And this is, is a great comfort. Let us, let you and me, when we face affliction, when we face trial, not if, but when we face trial, let us press in so that we might say, this is my comfort. This is my comfort. Let's pray. God, it's amazing that we often look elsewhere for comfort. When, even though it lets us down, even though it always comes up short, always runs out, and it's only just a cover-up. It's, a, it's a, an attempt to escape, but God, we know that we are so powerless. And so in that admission of our weakness and our frailty, we come to you, and we lean upon you and your promises that we might take comfort in our affliction, in who you are, and what you say, and what you will do. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for anyone who does not yet know Christ as a comfort, to not yet know sins forgiven, shame gone, hope of heaven. Only those things, it only comes through Jesus Christ. And so we pray for those who we know, maybe even one listening, that, that you would open their heart that you would allow them to, to turn from their old way of life, to turn from trusting in whatever they trusted in, and to trust Jesus, to believe him, to believe that he did die for their sin, 
and that he was raised to give them new life. God, I pray that they would do that even today. I pray for those of us who have trusted in Christ in such a way that you would encourage us in the middle of trial. And even maybe in this season, maybe we're going through a great time right now and we're not experiencing um, affliction or we're not feeling the weight of a trial of, of some sort. God, would you help us that in these times that we would take great joy and comfort in your words, all the, all the positives, how we're really experiencing those things so that in the valleys we may be reminded, we may remember uh, your name. God, we need your help in this, and we are so thankful that you are God faithful to us. God, we want to live uh, differently because of this word. We want to be people who can say, this is my comfort, that your promise gives me life. Would you accomplish that in us through the Holy Spirit? We pray this in Christ's name for your glory. Amen.